are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank. And today I've actually got two guests to talk to me about what is happening uh, around the Australian economy. I've got Gareth Aird, our Head of Australian Economics. Gareth, good to have you on. G'day. And I've got Marty Wedden, our Head of Fixed Income and Currency Strategy. Marty, good to have you on too. Thanks very much. Now, you both have been travelling around Australia, uh, speaking to clients over the past week or so, and are really getting a good insight as to what companies on the ground are thinking at the moment and what they're seeing in the Australian economy. So what we're going to do in the podcast today is share some of those views and and really how it marries up with how we've been seeing uh, the Australian economy as well. So Marty, I'm going to start with you. Now, your client meetings have really focused on the east coast of Australia. What have been some of the major themes that you've seen? Yeah, that's right. And we've been very fortunate to be actually out on the road meeting people rather than just uh, the phone calls that we've been so used to. And it's really good when you do meet people. You get a sense of, uh, you know, body language, how, the, how they feel the businesses that they're in are going at and their sectors, what risks they see. And I have to say, uh, you know, it really lines up very much with the house view that CDA has had for quite some time that the economy here in Australia is doing really well. And really the sense that we got is this is a very broad-based recovery And it's across a lot of sectors. There's obviously some areas that are doing, I guess, less well, but, you know, really hearing great stories from many of the businesses that we bank um, up and down the coast and, and of course, inland on this as well. So I guess just, uh, you know, talking about Queensland, we have seen in some of our internal data just the strength that we've seen in some parts of consumer spending in Queensland. Some of the smaller states have been outperforming. Were yeah. there any particular sectors that you found had some really interesting thematics going on? Like, what about tourism? You know, what about property? How are you feeling Queensland's performing? Sure. So if you concentrate on, on a couple of the the, um, the major industries, uh, in transport, we heard from a lot of the um, companies there that are finding it hard to get workers to, you know, drive trucks or, um, you know, be in, a, in, the, uh, in this industry because um, many of the... Typical uh, employees have been either uh, itinerant workers or, or um, people who've come from overseas and so are on short-term contracts. So there's been a, a lack of that supply of labour in the economy. And we've found that um, many of the businesses told us that people are jumping for very small or incremental um, wage gains a- a- across other businesses. They've found that in the logistics area, you know, labour market's gotten tight. But then... As a positive as well, they're also talking about taking larger uh, slabs of land for uh, logistics centres and transport Mm. hubs. So they they are definitely seeing some price pressures. They're seeing price pressures in the supply chain uh, for for trucks particularly, um, saying that components from offshore are being held up. So that's been a bit of a, a difficulty for them. And so they're outbidding others to get parts. They talked about, um, 
uh, floor space of their competitors and some of their suppliers getting larger. So they're needing to, I guess, uh, meet the demand that's out there. We heard from obviously parts of the tourism sector that said things are a little bit difficult still, but also talked about, again, the, the lack of supply of labour. And one of the points that Gareth and, and the broader Australian economics team have talked about in the past is this 60-odd billion dollars of money that we spend going overseas every year being redirected internally because we simply can't go overseas. And that's been a real boon for the tourism sector. And also when you sort of marry that into construction, you know, renovations, doing work to build that capacity for people to have the domestic holidays. So those things have been good. Services and hospitality, really interesting. Uh, very hard to get chefs and, and wait staff. Uh, again, this is um, temporary workers not being available in the Australian economy and people getting jobs again. So that's been a, you know, a, a tough sector there where uh, they're having to pay up more money. But many of the people who we spoke to who said they're having to pay up are also saying, well, that's okay. We can pass that on because we're seeing a lot more cash around, a lot more demand for their services. And they're also talking about this idea of premium spending, which simply means something as easy as if you're at a, at a restaurant, uh, you may not order a sort of lower cost item, may, it might be a steak, you're going for the higher cost item, the uh, more wine, you're adding a cocktail to the um, to your meal. Uh, so that was really interesting to hear that the anecdotes are that people are spending more money. And that certainly, I guess, matches up with obviously what we've been thinking in terms of the stronger income growth in the Australian economy and that can exactly. support consumer spending. I was just going to ask Gareth if he... <coughs> In your travels over to Western Australia, did you see some or hear some similar thoughts around the labour shortages over there? Yeah, look, very much so. I mean, um, I've been going to Perth for quite a while now um, and it was the, the most upbeat I've seen the client base um, post-mining boom. Right. And you know, I saw clients across a range of industries, uh, construction, retail, uh, the resources sector, obviously, uh, property and agriculture, and very much similar themes coming about out of the, the client base that you know, things are very good. I mean, COVID really f feels like a non-issue uh, over in Western Australia. I mean, that, that whereas we've had many outbreaks mm. around the country and you know, particularly in Victoria, I mean, people are, um, you know, went through a lot yeah. last year. But, but over in Western Australia, people are going about their business as though COVID uh, is not a problem at all, which which it isn't over there. And, um, you know, you've had all that income support, though, has still found its way into the Western Australian economy, coupled with the fact that um, commodity prices are high. I mean, in particularly the iron ore price, which is very beneficial for Western Australia. You've got lots of new construction taking place. Um, and in terms of the property market, the vacancy rate has dropped like a stone over the past few years. And, um you know, that, that's supporting rents and in, in turn prices. So you've got this sort of perfect storm um, underway at the moment, which is all very supportive of the economy, of, of, of growth in output, of growth in employment. But it's happening at a time when you've actually got very little in the, in the way of growth in the supply of labour. Yeah. And so we're hearing a lot of reports, to, to Marty's point, um, around it, it, it being hard to get labour. And you know, people are seeing a, a high rate of turnover in the labour market where people are moving uh, basically to a job that, that's paying better. And the RBA has, has said this in the past, that when you get um, periods of time when wages growth is actually picking up, 
that tends to be associated with higher turnover in the labour market as people are moving to jobs that are paying a little bit more. So I guess that, that, that that's all the kind of anecdotes that we got on the ground. I guess what we need to do now to think about as economists is, you know, how broad-based is that going to be? Uh, how long is it going to transfer or how long will it take to sort of transfer through to a, a material kind of lifting wages if that's actually going to happen? Um, and then what happens in terms of the international borders? There's a whole lot of sort of things that are, that are unknown, but mm. you know, I think it's worth really thinking about all these issues at the moment because um, a lot of big changes have taken place in the economy over the past um, the past 12 months. And some of the outcomes that we're seeing are actually really high, highly desirable, which is you know, yeah. tightening economies, um, slack across the board, um, sort of being reduced. And this is kind of the, the outcomes that policymakers have wanted to see. So I guess let's let's maybe talk about the wages mm. growth first. So at the moment, wages growth is soft. It's 1.4%. Generally, what the Reserve Bank is saying is they won't lift interest rates until wages growth really is about 3%, and that should then feed through into inflation. I guess the recent feedback must call into question whether or not you have to see material fall in the unemployment rate and how far that unemployment rate has to fall before we do start to see that wages pressure emerge. Yeah, look, that, that's exactly right. I mean, wages are a lagging indicator. Mm. Um, so you've got to, you, you see the economy tighten, GDP picks up, you know, employment growth picks up, and then finally wages uh, move. So it, it is always one of the last things to kind of move if you've got a a cycle underway where an economy is improving. Where things are getting interesting, I think, at the moment is that um, pre, pre-COVID, the unemployment rate in Australia got down to, to the low fives, yeah. but we, we didn't see much in the way of wages growth. It was around, stuck around sort of two and a quarter percent. So at the time, the Reserve Bank thought, well, you probably need to see the unemployment rate get down to four and a half percent before you get a material lift in wages. Uh, that then pulls up underlying inflation and then you're back into a kind of an economy that's in equilibrium. Um, now, they've been more recently putting out the idea that the unemployment rate, or that the, the NARU rather, which is this idea of a non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment, it's basically that level of um, unemployment whereby which wages growth starts to pick up. It could be in the low fours or high threes. Mm. We don't know where it was pre-COVID, so they, they could be right. But we're kind of looking at it the other way and thinking, well, let's say it was around 4.5% pre-COVID. It can only have moved higher, not lower, given the international borders are closed. Um, firms just cannot hire from abroad like they previously mm. did. I mean, we had a very strong uh, migrant intake each year um, for many years pre-COVID, and that's ground to a halt. And so, you know, we, we, we look at that through the lens of data, if you like, but then when we overlay with what clients are telling us, which is um, basically with the international borders closed and the economy picking up in, in certain sectors in particular, um, you know, construction, uh, mining, uh, property, you know, that, that the, the lack of being able to get labour is causing higher wages to come through. So you know, th- this is a really important space now to watch because um, if it turns out to be that wages do pick up in a material sense as the labour market tightens, um, then, you know, the narrative coming out, coming out of the Reserve Bank uh, will need to shift if the data makes the case then all of a sudden, you know, markets are going to be starting to think, well, you know, at what point does the cash rate go up if it is yeah. indeed going to go up? Yeah, so I guess that, that's interesting that, you know, we're seeing that companies are thinking that as well. So we're seeing potential wage pressure come through. Marty, you also wrote about uh, some pressure on the price side from things like surging container shipping costs. So you might start yeah. to see, you know, rising price pressures from that. Supply chains are still disrupted. 
What are your clients thinking in terms of financing costs going forward and do you think they're starting to think about anything they need to do as a result? Good question. I'll go back for one second and also mention the fact that many of the clients felt that the conditions that we have right now are not a flash in the pan and Mm. that they will be longer term in nature. And I think that does feed into that question you just asked, what does it mean for financing costs? I guess like us, they they believe that the state-based position for the RBA to hike is still some time off. However, many of them have been around for long enough in cycles to see that when the economy is running as well as it is and expected to for some time, it becomes only a matter of time before either interest rates go up or, as we've already seen, that the, the true cost of money when you are looking beyond a cash rate, which no one funds themselves at, the long-term uh, cost of money, you know, swap rates and so forth, that's already started to go up. So many of them talked about the idea of wanting to lock in the cost of their funding. You know, th- these, these people run businesses. They don't look at financial market prices each day. So to lock in the cost of any of their inputs, whether that is steel for construction or um, petrol or fuel for a, for a transport company, they're one important thing. But, but so too is the cost of money. Mm. So they are looking to try to lock in the cost of their funding across industries because they do believe that in time we will it will be you know more expensive to lock in money. None of them are looking for the, the rate hike cycles we've seen historically, but from a very low base, uh, they are doing that. And I think they're inspired in some respect, or at least motivated in some respect, when they've seen things at a personal level, like the cost of mortgage rates being so low and starting to rise. And so that feeds into their own businesses. So definitely a a strong vibe, if you like, uh, to to lock in the cost of money um, for as far out as they can. Well, it's interesting that you you say that because we've obviously seen a much larger share of fixed rate mortgages in recent times as well, just given the low rates there. So I guess it's no surprises from a company point of view that you would look in locking in some some cheaper funding now. I mean, that's really interesting uh, feedback. I think, Gareth, it's probably just worthwhile highlighting just what our actual <laughs> forecasts are going forward and, and I guess how we're trying to marry up this feedback on the ground with our official view. Yeah, so look, on, on our official forecast for wages, mm. we still have a, uh, a pretty subdued profile for wages growth. I think it takes... Um, very brave or courageous or, or whatever word you want to use at Economist right now to to drop in there a real material lift in wages. Um, you know, we've got the unemployment rate down at 4.8% by the end of, of next year and that's um, that's accompanied by a, a modest lift in wages growth but but nothing that kind of brings a rate hike onto the table. Um, so th- so the, the anecdotes are really what we would feed into our central scenarios being upside risks. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think we need to actually see some proper evidence of it happening in the upcoming kind of wage price index. It might take uh, a, a couple of quarterly prints to, if that's going to come through. But I think if, if we do start to really see the evidence in the data, then of course um, we, we can change our forecast. But I think, you know, right now, given everything that's gone on in recent years, uh, it's still very, very hard to, to forecast the kind of lift in wages growth occurring in the next couple of years, which is where our forecast horizon goes to. Uh, that would be consistent with the Reserve Bank raising the cash rate. And that's why it's our forecast, or our call rather, the House view that you know, the cash rate is on hold for the next few years. 
Um, but but just given all the unusual dynamics in the economy right now, it, it's absolutely worth thinking about all these risks. Obviously, higher wages kind of feeds through um, to, to higher inflation as well, and you know, we, we've been talking about that as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a fascinating time really to be looking at the economy. There's just so many different things going. Uh, underway at the moment. We just want to make sure that our client base is kind of aware of all the things that we're seeing and thinking about in terms of formulating our view on the outlook for the economy. And as always, markets tend to take a few steps ahead position that, as that, well. That's right. And the yeah, other thing is very forward-looking. Yes, yeah, that's yes. right. And the other thing too is the markets can kind of price in a, a, a probability of something happening or a risk, whereas you know, when, when we're producing a set of forecasts, they are a central scenario. We don't have the luxury of mm. assigning different probabilities to different outcomes. But, you know, as I said, we, we would say that the risk to our forecasts are, are definitely on the wages and inflation side to the upside. That fits in with what the, our clients are telling us, and then we'll wait and see how the official data lands. Gareth, Marty, it's been great to get your insights as you have travelled around and spoken to a lot of clients in the past week or so. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Melinda. Now, you can read uh, Martin, Gareth and also Joe Caperso uh, contributed to this report, Notes from the Road Australian Corporate Sector Views, which was published on the 30th of March 2021 on compankresearch.com.au.